We are in a series that we've been dealing with, and today's the conclusion of the series. We are in a three-week series that we have entitled, What Jesus Would Undo, What Jesus Would Undo. And I'll explain that in just a moment, what that means. Today's message, the message today is, is uh, Jesus would undo all the anxiety and worry that there is to life. Now, this is week three, week three of our series. Week number one, Jesus would undo, he would undo uh, not forgiving our offenders. That was a tough one. That was, that was a hard one and, and a lot of response to that particular message. Week number two, which we did last week, was Jesus would undo the liar's deception of fear, the liar's deception of fear. And we talked about defeating fear and that was another tough one. Well, today is the toughest of all of them. What we're going to be dealing with today, we're going to be dealing with in this week three of this series of what Jesus would undo. Jesus would undo all the anxiety and worry of life. All of the anxiety and worry of life. I'm telling you, this is a big subject. This is a big deal. And I'm, I'm a, a, a realist in so many ways. I'm a believer in God. I know God can do all things. You too, amen? And uh, consequently, you know, but I'm telling you, this is a hard one. This is a tough one. And this is something that, that I believe relates to every single person on the planet, but especially talking to us here today, right here at Word of Life. So I don't need to do any other announcements about our church cleanup. Nick did a phenomenal job. We don't need to talk to you about today is step one of a three-step series that we do for our membership. You can come to that absolutely free. We'll have a little bit of refreshments. No child care is going to be taken care of, but if you would like to become a member, uh, we, we would welcome you to come to the meeting today at, at three o'clock, and then we're going to be meeting in the lobby out here. So I don't need to do any of that. So let me get right into this message. I have quite a bit to share in a very short period of time. So I'm going to speak fast with some things. I'm going to do that because I want to get as much in to you as I can. I'm confident my prayer that I've asked God the Holy Spirit is to give you and I the ability to receive what God has in store for us when we deal with this thing called worry. I'm telling you this is a big deal. So Jesus would undo all the anxiety and worry of life. Now with everything that is going on in our world right now, I think that this is a pretty tall order. I think for whatever it is that we would want to see God do in our stress points of life, I think that this is a particular, particularly a tall order that we're dealing with today. Let me tell you about a couple of the top stress points or worry points that we deal with in our lives. The number one biggest stress that we deal with is the, love, is the death of a loved one, is the death of a loved one. Then there are, of course, confrontations that we would have at work or maybe within our home. There would be the marriage issues, the deadlines that come our way, bring stress and bring worry, uh, legal problems, our job, maybe a job loss, or maybe even starting a new job. There may be some of us here today soon to start a new job, <coughs> and there's stress in all of that as well. And then there is, of course, money problems. <coughs> all of us deal with money problems in one way or another, and that's another big stress. Another uh, area of stress that we have is illness, uh, parenting issues, uh, pace of life that we're in, expectations, unresolved sin, and even worse than unresolved sin to me is the secret sins. The secret sins that we've been able to keep away from all the people that we know and love the most. That to me is another big stressful thing that we do. And the problem with that with this list is, is that there is no one who can make any of that stop because this is what we call life on planet Earth. 
The things that I just mentioned to you are what we call life here on planet Earth. And some people believe that God somehow or another has obligated himself to make it make life to be easy, to make life to be fun, to make life to be stress-free, to make life to be wonderful and near perfect. But that's not true. If a preacher ever preaches something like that, it's not true. The, the context of what they're saying is really not true, that God would obligate himself to do that. God never has obligated himself to make that kind of stuff happen. The only thing that God has obligated himself to do is to help us to rise above our problems of this life. That's what he promises. I'll get you through. One way or another, I'm going to get you through. Go with me to Philippians. By the way, there's going to be a number of scriptures uh, that's going to be shared. All of them will be projected behind me, but if you have your smartphones and you want to follow along with us, you can do that as well. A lot of scriptures, I will read them rather quickly. And it says in Philippians 4, 13, uh, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now listen, that's good news and that's bad news. That's good news and that's bad news. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The good news is, the good news is, is that very much so, I 100% agree that there will come a day when all stress is gonna be gone from your life, where all stress is going to be, be gone. All of, the, all of the issues that you deal with, one day is going to, it's going to be gone. But the bad news is that will only happen. That will only happen on the day that you die. That will only happen on the day you be dead. That's the only time you will be stress-free 100% of the time. So no doubt, life is filled with all kinds of worry, all kinds of stress and anxiety. It's all around us, and there is a lot of stress out there and even in here. A lot of stress in people's lives. But the scriptures are clear. God offers to us, his followers and believers of him, that something he will do that will be amazing that will happen to each of us if we put our faith and trust in Christ. And there's some gift that he will give us. And the gift, I'm calling it a gift right now, the gift is peace. God will give us peace. In fact, one of the many names of God is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom means his name is the Lord is peace. Then there's Sar Shalom, which is almost the exact same thing, but we find his name to be Sar Shalom, which is the, the prince of peace. God has the power and the ability to give you peace, to give every one of us peace in any situation that you and I are ever facing. This peace that God gives to you and I is an internal kind of peace. It's something on the inside. There's, there's this thing on the inside of us that God gives us peace. And the peace that God gives us is a non-circumstantial kind of peace The only that's, uh, that only God can give us. It's not a false peace. It's not a short-lived peace. No, it's a true peace of God himself that is on you and that is in you. So the question must be, how do you get that peace? How do you get that peace so that I'm not worrying anymore? How do we get that peace so I can get rid of the anxiety of my life? Go with me to John chapter 16, verse 33. The Son of God is speaking here. And Jesus is talking to his disciples in the upper room on that night that Mike talked about during communion here just a moment ago. Uh, it's, it's Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says this to them. He says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
In this world, you will have trouble. I say that again. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I have overcome this world. And Jesus was 100% right that, that after his death, they were going to have trouble. trouble. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, they were hunted down like felons. They were, they were looking to arrest them and, and, and crucify them, kill them as they did even with Jesus. And, uh, and the fact of the matter is, but Jesus says, but take heart. Take heart because I have been, I am making a way for you that would be possible that you can rise above it all, no matter what the situation may be, no matter what the, the issue may be. So Jesus says, I am not promising you, I am not promising you that you will not have stress-filled moments. But he does say, I will help you to rise above every bit of the stress that you would deal with in life with peace, with peace. The only way that we can overcome anything of brokenness or fear or doubt, discouragement, anxiety or worry only will come through Jesus himself who is the overcomer in our world. He is our overcomer. He is Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. Give me an amen. In Psalm, Psalm 34, verse 19, New King James says this. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. God does not deny that list of issues that I gave you at the beginning of this message, what we call life. Uh, 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 let me say that again. God does not deny that that is a reality in our life. It is a reality. But you and I can rise above all of that. The Lord will deliver us out of all of that is what the scriptures declare to us in one way or another. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about this peace that passes all understanding, that you and I could live stress-free. You and I can live without worrying about anything is what Jesus tells us. It's incredible. It's an incredible message. The message comes from the Apostle Paul, who's writing a letter while he's in prison. He's in prison because he believes in God. He's in prison right now because he has been talking about Jesus, and now they're going to execute him because of his stance and his faith. They're ready to execute him. Him. And since this is about uh, 50 AD, the death sentence that Paul was now facing was nothing like the death sentence that we experience here in the United States of America, where we do everything we possibly can to take that murderer and make, it, make his death to be as comfortable and an e as easy as we could possibly make it so there's no suffering on his behalf or her behalf as to what they have already done to some other human being. It's not like that here in 50 AD. Paul is in a Roman prison, and his execution, his execution could be any of these things. <clears throat> any of these things could have happened to the, to the Apostle Paul. Number one, he could be boiled in oil until he would be dead. Or he would possibly be literally sawn in two. Or he would be skinned alive. Or he would be one who would be killed by the sword, or to be stoned to death, or lions, or beheaded. One of those things would happen to him. One of those things did happen to him. And uh, the, verse that, the, the verses that Paul writes us in Philippians chapter 4 are nothing less than divine. Nothing less than divine with what Paul is saying. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Did you hear that? Do not be anxious about anything. Anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, is what Paul says. 
Paul is telling us that the, the most stressful, anxious moment of your life, there is a peace that passes all understanding that will come to you if you seek after that. If that's what you decide that you want to do is to follow after God for the peace that he offers you and I. Paul is facing execution possibly within the next 24 hours. He just doesn't know. And this teaching, this teaching in so many levels just doesn't seem to make sense. It seems to be illogical. It, it's sort of like crazy, crazy talk that Paul is saying here when he, the verses that I just read to you. Is this a denial of a reality is what people would wonder. Or, or, is there really something to this? Is there really something that the Apostle Paul is saying that is absolutely true? That God will offer you and I a peace, a peace that passes all understanding. I wonder in this room today if there's anyone who's ever had an experience in their life where they were facing a very difficult, very difficult, frightening situation. It was a serious issue. It was a serious thing happening in your life. It was really bad. But yet in the midst of it, in the midst of it, a peace came over you. It was like, I'm facing, I'm facing the end, man. And the peace of God comes. I'm assuming most of us at Word of Life knows my story, just a real quick little part of it. I don't need to go deep because I've done it so many times in the past. But on, on November 5th, um, 2012, I had open heart surgery. I had a triple bypass. The reason is, is that my widow maker was 98% blocked. And they had to do it. I was in critical condition, had all the tests, all the, that stuff, and I needed to have a triple bypass. So I was in critical condition. And I'm telling you, um, I, I don't know what, they, what you know about this, but I've got a scar from here to here where they cut open my chest with a saw. And it hurts as I think about it right now. And uh, open it up, they take the heart out and they begin to work on it. They begin to work on the heart, the triple bypass that needs to be done. Puts, puts it all back together and puts it in and closes it. I knew all of that. I, you know, I've been a pastor for many years and I've been with many people who have gone through open heart surgery. I know that some of what they do, I never experienced it until that day. A, a, a medical professional had said to me at one point, he says, I want you to know that open heart surgery is the closest thing to an autopsy, except you're still alive. Oh, that's fun. I was really looking forward to that. I'll go more to the story toward the end. In Philippians chapter four, verse six, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Anxious, just so you know, anxious in the Greek is synonymous with worry in the English. So when you see anxious, it also means worry. Uh, anxious in the Greek is synonymous with worry in, the, in, in English. And there is a double negative in the command here that Paul is saying to us, and it couldn't be much stronger language for you and I to understand that we should not worry we should not have anxiety. We should be a people who are overcoming that. Don't worry about anything. Not a single thing is what Paul says. Not a single thing. And who here can say, you know what, Pastor? I got this one down pat, man. I, I, I worry about nothing ever. I didn't think any hands would go up. And if you did, I'd call you a liar. Because every one of us deal with that. In fact, there are people, I've been here 26 years and almost seven now, and I know a lot of people here, and some of them have a PhD in worry. They do a really, really good job worrying about things in life. 
So where, where um, God is wanting to take us is that we are not to worry about anything ever. Ever. James chapter, four, uh, James chapter four, verse 17, New Living Translation says, remember it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So if you are a person who's worrying and you're listening to this message today and we're giving you some direction and some insight with what God says within his word and you sit back and say, you know what, I don't care about that. I'm gonna live my life filled with worry. I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do with that. According to what James says, that's a sin in your life and you need to deal with this. This, this. We have to deal with all of our sins in one way or another. We really do. And if we do nothing about this subject that we're talking about today, James tells us it's sin. We need to deal with this. So let me talk about worry. Worry is deadly. Worry affects your blood pressure. It affects your heart. It assaults the, the effectiveness of your immune system. <clears throat> uh, worry ruins the digestive system and could make you eat more. Worry could make you eat less. Worry also has the power to rob you your entire life of joy and to make you uh, obsessed with yourself. Worry keeps you from being rightly connected with other people. And yet God says within his word, we need one another. Worry keeps you from being willing to take a risk. And yet the Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. God expects us to take steps of faith. Uh, worry erodes your faith and your trust in God, the God of heaven who loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. In the original word of the word worry, it means to choke or to strangle one's life. Worry means to choke or to strangle one's life. So the Apostle Paul is in prison, and he says these words, could be executed at any moment. He says these words, do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything. Yet he may be killed in just a matter of 24 hours. He says, do not worry about anything. I want to be like Paul, man. I really do. Worry is a huge subject. Even Jesus himself put some skin into this thing called worry, this particular sin that destroys people. In fact, at the Sermon on the Mount, he goes deeper and longer with worry than any other sin he talks about. He argues more against worry than any other sin that is in the Bible. Worry, worry. Matthew chapter five, six and seven, read it for yourself. All of what he says about worry, there's a lot there. What Jesus says about worry is incredible. And if you and I would embrace his way of thinking of what Jesus says, I believe that the worry factor, the, the fear factor is going to be released to us. I think, I think it will be near zilch in our, in our lives. So Jesus says, Jesus says this, the things that you are most devoted to are the things that determine what you worry about most. Okay, I got one amen. Let me say it another way. The thing that you worry about most is what you value most. And that's a little hard to accept, but it's true. What we worry about is money. What we worry about is our job, is health, is kids, it's our children's grades, getting them into the right college, retirement, you're, whether you're going to get married or not. And Jesus teaches that what we worry about is tied directly to what we're most devoted to. What we're most devoted to. And it's not the same with everybody. We're all a bit different. The things that you worry about reflect on your core devotion. So what if? What if you shifted your devotion? 
What would happen to your worry if you were to begin to shift that? Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to be quick with these. Matthew chapter 5. Um, Jesus starts off talking about worry in, in Matthew chapter 6, excuse me, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says these words. He says, don't worry about your life. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Then Jesus gets specific and he begins to talk to them in the culture that they're living in, that culture of that particular time. And then he says, the next thing he says, he says, don't worry about what you will eat or drink or, or about your body, what you will wear what you were wearing. Now, that was a very poor society at the time and where Jesus was located. Uh, it was like a hand-to-mouth kind of experience for them every day of their lives. And yet, Jesus would be looking at them and he would say something to his audience like this. <clears throat> he would say, I know what you think about every single day. Every single day, you think about, you think about the food that you're going to eat, the drink that you're going to have, and or you're going to think about the clothes that would be on your back. It was a hand-to-mouth kind of thing, and Jesus understood that. And Jesus says to them, but I don't want you to worry about that. I don't want you to worry about that in your life. I don't want you to worry about that. Now, if Jesus was talking to us about the same thing, if he was here in this room physically talking to us, he would say something like this to you and I. Don't worry. Don't worry don't worry about if you're going to be able to retire and, and have enough. He would say, don't worry about if your kids are going to get into the perfect college that you want them to get into. Don't worry if you will be single for the rest of your life. Don't worry that you would be losing your job. Or don't worry about your potential health concerns that you would have. Jesus said to them, said to them then, and he says to you and I now about these things that I've just mentioned and a hundred thousand other things. He would say, don't worry about your life. Jesus is not saying that food and clothes and water are not important. Jesus is not saying that retirement and school and marriage and your job and health are not important. Because they, those, are, those things are very important to every one of us. And there is an uncertainty for all of us with those kind of things at different times of our lives. Plus, in, in some of those areas, it will not always work out perfectly for you in those things that you want. The things that you worry about. The things that you're looking for. Jesus would say to you, it's not always going to work out perfectly for you every time. But still, <clears throat> you don't have to worry you don't have to worry. Jesus says that when it comes to life, stop worrying. Stop worrying. Man, it's quiet in here. Amen. Verse 25. And Jesus asked this question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? There's going to come a time for all of us in this room. For some of us, it's going to be really, really soon. For others, it's going to be down the road a number of years. But this life is going to end. It will end. And what you did with this life, you and God will talk. You and God will talk. What Jesus is doing here, he's teaching us how to overcome worry that destroys us. There's three steps I want to cover very quickly. Three steps I want to cover about how not to worry. Step number one, to not worry, look at the birds. 
Do not worry. Look at the birds. Now listen, God's not insulting you, Jesus. This is what Jesus says, by the way. He's not insulting you with this. Um, but the Son of God is saying to us, he says, in a, he says to us in verse 26 of that same chapter, Matthew, 20, Matthew 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, much, are you not of much more value than they? And of course the answer is yes. So to overcome worry, the Son of God says to us, he says this to us, and this is real, this is not hypothetical. Jesus says, look at the birds. He says, look at the birds. Look at the birds all around you. You see the birds? They don't have pressure. They have no pressure. They just fly around. They go from point A to point B. They don't even know why they're going there. But when they go there, they see a worm and they stop and eat it. And you know, there's no worry. They don't have any plans for tomorrow. They're not thinking tomorrow, I'm going to go down the road because there's more worms down there. They don't think that. They don't talk like that, at least that I know of. Um, They don't worry about cell phones. They don't have laptops. They don't have budgets or mortgages or deadlines that they have to deal with. And they don't worry about any of it. I think it's pretty funny. And yet life works for them. Yet life works for them. And what Jesus is saying to us in Matthew 26, Jesus is saying that, he's saying if I can take care of the birds who live in the fullness of life for themselves, I can take care of you, is what God says. I can take care of you in the fullness of your life. Yeah, let's do that. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. You're a good God. You're a good God. Matthew 6, 26, are you not more valuable than than a bird? I think I want to go just a little bit deeper because this is an incredible part of this message today. Don't you think that God finds you to be much more of value than a bird? Don't you think that? Don't you think that God has more concern about you who was made and created in the image of God than he does about a bird? Again, don't you think that God cares more about you than he cares about a bird? And we know he does. I, I trust you know he does. And Jesus would look at, look at you straight in the eyes and he would say this. If I can take care of a bird, I can take care of you. And you have nothing to worry about. You have nothing to worry about is what he says. I'm telling you why you can face the uncertainty of life and not worry He's not teaching us denial. He's not teaching us uh, to deny our, our, our issues that we have in life. In fact, Jesus' point is not to be irresponsible and just hope that things work out. You see, that's fatalism as far as I'm concerned, and this is not about trusting fate. Jesus is inviting us to trust him, our heavenly father. He's inviting us to do that. You're sitting here today, listen to me rambling on as quickly as I can and telling you you have nothing to worry about according to what Jesus says, and you can trust in your heavenly father. So here's what I'm saying to you. You need a job? So I'm gonna say this to you. You trust your father. I'll give you a couple more steps as we close. Trust your father, but make out some job applications. Doesn't mean it's going to fall from the sky and all of a sudden you're going to have a job. You go out and, and knock on a few doors of places that could hire you. You, you, you take the steps that need to be taken. Uh, uh, knock on some doors. Study real hard for the college that you want to go for. Uh, if you want to, uh, want to meet her, if you want to meet him, go out on a few dates. He, he, she's not going to just come running to you because you're such a hunk. I mean, you, you've got to do something. You've you got to take some steps as well. Believe God and he will help you through all of those things. Do your best. And by the way, if you're worried about your health, go to the doctors for crying out loud. Go to the doctors. You got something going on. You don't feel right. It's not, you should have a physical every year. But my point is, you got something going on, then do something about it. So 
check it out. Go and go to your doctor. And once you've done all of that, the next step literally is you and I, you and I are to declare that God loves me more than he loves a bird. No matter what may be happening, God loves me more than he loves a bird. I, I have, I've done all that I can do and I don't need to worry about this. So sir, ma'am, if by chance you're sitting here today and you're a little bit offended that I'm being so simple-minded with all of these things, then I'm gonna offer you to go ahead and worry yourself sick over the things you've worried about over the last 20, 30, 40 years of your life and just see where that gets you. Compared to what God says, if you would follow me and do it my way, I will take you to where you need to go. I'm gonna to have to fast forward this real quick because I'm running out of time. So I'm gonna jump, just in case you're looking for the projections, I'm gonna to have to jump closer to the end. So Jesus says, Jesus says within his word that, that uh, it's time for you and I to redirect our life today. I got more I would be saying, but I'm, I'm running out of time. It's time for you and I to redirect our lives as believers. And we need to stop focusing only on this life right here and focus on what it is that God has in store for us, not just for this life, but for all of eternity. Step number two that I want you to take, step number two, um, these two are gonna be very quick, and that is number one, is to pr number two is to pray about everything. Pray about everything. In Philippians 4, 6, it says that don't worry about anything, instead pray about any, everything. The Bible, the Bible will never tell us to stop doing anything without replacing it with something else. So in the battle of overcoming worry, we need to pray about everything. This is a personal invitation that's coming from our God. He says, I want you to pray about everything. Jesus says to us, if you seek, you find. If you knock, the door will be open. If you ask, you shall re." Receive. You shall receive is what Jesus says to us. So you and I need to be a people who are going to be obedient to God and we need to pray. I won't read it to you right now, but in John chapter 14, verses 12 and 13, it talks to us about the promises that God makes and he's going to, he's going to bring it to pass. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it talks about that by faith, God is the one who moves in and through our lives. So don't make prayer to be your last resort. Make prayer to be your first response always. So, if you're dealing with something right now and all of a sudden you feel a worry coming up, beginning to rise, maybe the, your stomach is churning a little bit because tomorrow is going to be the day, you know, whatever that means, um, whatever those things are, God invites us to pray. And when he invites us to pray, it's because he wants to answer your prayer. James says to us, you have not because you ask not. Did you hear me? James says to us, you have not because you ask not. So if you got an issue, if you got a need, if you're worried about something, pray. Number three, last and final one. Get, get God's gift of peace. Get God's gift of peace. Philippians chapter four, verse seven. Again, I'm not gonna read that to you. There comes, uh, then comes a time in our lives where the peace of God comes and invades our life. That's what four seven talks about. This peace of God that passes all understanding. There comes a time in our lives that something supernatural of a gift comes into your life from God. It comes to you and I as people who are being determined not to worry this thing called peace. And I'm telling you, man, it's really a miracle. It really is. I've experienced this multiple times in my life. But going back to my open heart surgery, I just conclude by saying this to you. I'm being taken down the aisle, the hallway, whatever you want to call it, and I'm about ready to make a left-hand turn to go in and have open-heart surgery, triple bypass. Marianne is walking beside me. I have a few others that are there, and I told them to stay behind. I want to be with my, my girl. And so 
we get there and I'm telling you, it's, it's six o'clock in the morning. Um, I have no fear. I'm telling you, I, I slept the whole night perfectly the night before and I took no drugs. I normally take drugs, but I didn't take drugs that night. <laughs> and I woke up, I woke up just so confident, so much with the peace. When Marianne and I said our final I love yous, I mean, they take your heart out. They stop your heart. It doesn't work. You're living on a machine for a while, a couple hours. And then it started up again. Once they get it going again, it's like, ah, they got it. But I had no fear. Marianne didn't have fear. Now I wonder why she didn't have fear. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And I said it to her. And of course, as you know, the story was a great success. God's, these, these doctors and nurses are beyond. I, I know we have some doctors and nurses at Word of Life. I don't know if they're here. Let's give them a round of applause. It's just because they're so great. So great. You can have that. All of what Jesus is saying is because you can trust your father. But if you don't trust your father, you're going to live in fear. You're going to live in anxiety. And you're going to go nowhere. Except for having heart issues and having stomach issues and whatever else comes along with all of that. Would you please bow your heads? Father, I love the fact. I love the fact that you invite us to walk through different doors of life as we worry. You tell us today to look at the birds. And it's just logical. If you can take care of birds millions and billions of them over centuries. You can take care of us. You tell us in the next door that, that we can pray about everything. It's not our last re resort, but it's our first response to when we sense the worry coming again. And Lord, the last door, the last door is, God, if we get God's gift of peace, it would just blow us away. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your provision and grace. I just read you the last verse of, this, of the message today. Psalm 910, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you would, if our intercessors would come. We're going to sing one last song here for our worship set. And if you have not yet, if you have uh, not yet given your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to do that today. We're not asking you to be a member at Word of Life. You don't have to be a member to come here. But we are asking you that maybe you would open your heart to Jesus because maybe you can sense inside of you that I'm missing something. And that something is God. He loves you just the way you are. He receives you just the way you are. And once he comes into your life, he does a work that on the inside out, he changes us. He's a great God. So as we sing this last and final song, you may want to give your life to Jesus. And it's just a simple prayer. Lord, I give you my life. Become the Lord and leader of my life, however you want to say it. These intercessors are here to pray for whatever need you have. Maybe you're worried. Maybe there's a health issue. You have a legitimate need, whatever those things are. If you want prayer, they will agree with you in prayer that God will hear and answer your prayer. We're going to sing our last and final song, and we ask you to wait until we're done, and then we will release you in just about two and a half minutes. Go ahead, Luke.